One of the most powerful things that I've done in the last um, five years is to adopt keeping a gratitude journal. And we've talked, we did this a couple years ago, I think as a whole church, but it's had a profound effect on me. And I still do it to this day, almost every single day, because it makes such a, a huge difference. Today, what I'd like to do is talk about a little bit about that vibe of gratitude and, and the change it has, but I also want to really focus in on these 10 lepers that were mentioned in the gospel and how we can connect more deeply with God in our spiritual journeys. That's where I want to go today. And as we do this, I want to start first by just uh, setting out a little bit of context for the passage that we had today and what's going on with this. So we, we learn early on that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem and he's in this area that's between Galilee and Samaria. So he's not in either sort of the Jewish area or the area of the Samaritans, but we get that he's kind of on the border. And you can still imagine that this is a place where there's friction. I'll say more about that in a little bit. Maybe it's even a little bit of a hostile area that they're in between these two places. We get that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, which is a quick um, sort of signposting of saying that Remember, he's on the way to the violence of the cross. And also maybe it's reminding us that this journey to Jerusalem started back in Luke 9. And that involved a story with Samaria as well. But, but he's, on the, he's on this journey in that direction. And then we get this, uh, this initial setting where these 10 lepers are coming to him as he approaches this village. And they're crying out to him saying, Master, which is something we've, so far, we've only heard the disciples use that word to call him out as master, but they're doing it, all right? So continuing with sort of the context, let's stop and look at these 10 for just a moment. They have leprosy, which um, the way it was used here and the way it's put into scripture is gonna be broader than the definition, the way we would understand it today. It's gonna be any kind of this uh, unattractive skin diseases that people have are gonna be labeled leprosy. That's what they have going on. And you need to understand for this thing, the depth of what's going on in their lives to understand this whole passage that's taking place. Because under the law, if you go back and read in Leviticus 13, all that kind of stuff, you'll get, they are ordered to be quarantined and they're put outside. They are, nobody wants to be around them. They are marginalized, put outside the city, and just pause there for a second and think about the pain that these folks are living in, right? I mean, think about uh, parents who cannot be near their children, at best can see them at a distance, no hugs, no kisses, spouses, no hugs, no kisses, at a distance, outside, and all the pain that's going with that. That's where they're living. And on top of that, you know, I, I think about um, what their predicament was in terms of hope, when I was uh, uh, in high school, I was an exchange student in South America, which sounds great. But at the time I, I ended up in a, I was in Colombia, and it was a place where I'd never seen suffering like I saw there. I'd never seen some moral depravity that I saw there. That's a whole nother story and all this stuff. But needless to say, I got there, I was a junior in high school and I got really homesick, all the stuff I'm seeing. But you know what the source of hope was for me? I had a countdown calendar. Every day, crossing out a date. And I can tell you to this day, it was August the 22nd that I flew out. <laughs> I marked it down and counted it down. These people here have got no countdown calendar. What's the relief for them? Death? There's no countdown calendar. They don't, this may never leave them. This may never end. 
and it's it's an existential crisis that has no end for them. And the, you know, again, just to think about the pain, Philip Yancey, the Christian writer, uh, has written a, a number, many different books. One of the books that impacted me was one where he he tells different stories of faith from around the world, and he told a story in one of his books about modern day leprosy. And he talked, I don't remember the guy's name, but he talks about this one guy who has leprosy in India that he got to befriend who was um, friends with one of his doctor friends, Dr. Brand. But he talks about this guy having to sit in the car and watch his daughter get married. So you can just get a sense of the pain that all these 10 have together, that they're in this deep quarantine. And we start looking at what are the, who are these 10 people? We know that one of them is a Samaritan because Jesus is going to say it later in the story. And again, for context, I think mo- many of you will know this, but not everybody. The Samaritans and the Jews were, were people who did not get along. And it has to do with history that I won't go into about how they developed. But for the Jews who were like, I'm a pure-blooded Jew, I worship a monotheistic God, and I got this pure, they looked really down on the Samaritans. And over hundreds of years, this became an animosity that was deep. And they really sort of hated each other. And a lot of Jews who were heading from Galilee to Jerusalem would figure out a way to go around Samaria to avoid the whole area. But Jesus is on the border of it as he gets this. And we look at this group, um, scholars and people who read this think, and you'll see it the way Jesus said it. And I'll, I'm going to read part of these words in a minute. Probably of the 10, one of them is a Samaritan and the others are Jews. So then the next question kind of is like, well, how are they so cohesive? They're all together together. There's a 10 of them. They're all crying out together. They're living this way. Well, adversity and great pain brings down divisions. And these guys are, have all gotten together and they're, they're one place together as, they, as G, they hear about Jesus and as he approaches. And I want to um, pick up reading part of this passage for just a second. We hear that, um, picking up at the start of our passage, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria in Galilee, and he entered a village, and ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance because they're not clean. And they called out, saying, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." So picture that scene, right? And they these they're in agony, they're in pain, and they they and they're crying out to Jesus. They've heard about Jesus, you know. They've heard about Jesus, and he is a flicker of hope to them. They, maybe they've heard how what we read about back in Luke 5, that Jesus has already healed somebody with leprosy. He touched them and healed them. And so and he's certainly done lots of other healings, and his reputation precedes him, and they, they've heard about him. So they, they know their own need. They, own, they know their own hurt. They know their own brokenness. And they have this sense of openness to the hope that Jesus brings. And they're approaching with humility. They're, they're not beyond crying out to him, at the top of their voice as he comes to the village, help us, help us, do something with us. And I want to pause there and ask us all a question, pausing out loud. I wonder if that isn't the moment, really the only moment where we're completely open to hear from God. These moments when we know our need, our brokenness. Maybe it's, I mean, how many Christians through the ages have I met who found Christ because they were in a 12-step program. They got to the point of saying they needed a higher power. And then they opened up the doors because of their deep hurt and their brokenness of where they were, and they went. Or I think maybe about how C.S. Lewis used to say that pain is God's megaphone. 
that's the moment when we can, when we're maybe it's not so much that God's louder with a megaphone at those moments, but it's a moment when we're willing to hear, even if it's a whisper. I think too about when I was younger in faith, how I used to sort of resent the people would say, well, Christians only need God because of their weakness. If they weren't so weak, they wouldn't need him. Well, maybe it's actually true. Maybe the only time we hear God is when we know we're broken and, we're need, and we need that. And maybe that's why in the Beatitudes in Matthew, why Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the people who know they have a need. Or why Jesus says, I only came for the people who are sick. The pe- people who know they're sick. You got to come around to that place of knowing you're sick. Or I think about this one friend of mine who I've been friends with for more than 30 years, who is for sure a borderline narcissist, who went and got his graduate degree on the East Coast where he's been trained that if you're an intellectual and you're smart, you can't have anything to do with religion. And he holds to that place while his life is already on the ground and breaking up in pieces. And he's going to have to go all the way to brokenness before he'll ever revisit that whole situation. Maybe that's the only place where we're really open, but maybe we could learn to live with some humility that even his life is okay or good, we still have enough humility to come and say, God, I need you. What do you want to say to me today? Even life, life's going well today. What do you want to say to me? I want to be open and come with humility the same way these lepers did as Jesus approached the city. And we get to what happens as we go forward from that place. We'll read the next step as the story continues. When he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. I love this story because um, at this point, Jesus is telling them, just go to the priest. And I'll say more about that in a minute. But he doesn't give them a bunch of conditions like, okay, well, really get your stuff together. Make sure you pray a magic prayer, whatever it is. Like he doesn't give them a lot of conditions. He just says, go to the priest, which is going to be the one who's going to declare that they're clean. He doesn't give them like, make sure you give me a vow that you're completely on board with me. He doesn't tell them you got to do this after the, after you're done, do this. He just says one thing, go to the priests. And when you get there, um, they're going to do something, right? Something's going to happen. And really he's calling them to faith. Like he's telling them, you want to be healed? Here's what I want you to do. And he, they're going to the priest. Is, the priest is the one under the law that's going to be able to give them a get out of quarantine note. He's the one that's going to be able to declare that they're clean. And they, they could have just said, this is silly. Like Nahum in our first reading today, he could have said, why am I going to do that? He hasn't come out and said any fancy words over me. He hasn't done any kind of ritual. He's just said, go to the priests. And they could have said, this is silly. I'm not doing this. I'm out of here. They have to find this modicum of faith to at least go to the priest and to, to let him see whatever's going to happen happens. Um, it could have been different, but they all go and all 10 of them are healed. They get their get out of quarantine note from the priests. And so we pick up the story from there. Uh, what happens next? We read that in verse 15, that then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, it turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus's feet and he thanked him. We think about that moment. Justin and I were talking this week. Justin was telling me about a contemporary Christian band that's called Not the Nine. We all want to be the one, right? 
We all want to be that one that turned back and gave thanks. But the rest went, I'm not going to throw stones at those other nine. I don't know how many years they had been away from their children or their spouses. And their first thought is, I'm running home to kiss and hug on my little ones or my spouse or my partner or whatever this is. That's where I'm going first. And then I'm going to go find Jesus. Like, you know, I've been thinking about this for decades, maybe. So I'm not going to throw stones at them. A lot of people do. And, I, and Jesus says, where are they? But I think he's making a teaching point. He wants to highlight this one who came back because he wants to teach us. He wants to teach his disciples and he wants to teach us today something about him. This, this foreigner, this Samaritan, as we learn, who was far off, outside, not a Jew, all this other stuff, who's brought near, who's healed and who gets this powerful experience that changes him such that he's going to run back and find Jesus and do, and do these things. And when we get to him, we see there are four different verbs involved with him. And I think we can learn from all of these, but we get that he turns back to Jesus. He praises Jesus. He prostrates himself and he gives thanks. And we get in this praise and thanksgiving really a map for how we respond to God. We get that as we see him praise and give thanks and prostrate himself, he's acknowledging how God is at work. We get that as he gives thanks to Jesus, he's glorifying God. We get all this, that he's doing all these different things along, as he goes along with all these things. And, and listen to what happens to him next, right, as, as we go. He says, Jesus says to him, then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, pause for a second and just remember the 10, all 10 were healed. All 10 no longer have their skin disease. But Jesus has singled out the one who came back to him, who's praised him, who's prostrated, who's given thanks, who's done all these things. And he said, your faith has made you well. And I think in that, Jesus is reminding us that in this gratitude, this expression of gratitude, and in this expression of faith, he's finding a deeper wellness. He's finding this place that really is bringing him to wholeness. And it's a, it, I think it's something that's a reminder for us. We've talked about this before, so I'm not going to belabor it, but like, like I said with this, with this gratitude journal, gratitude will change you. Gratitude to God, the only one we can really thank for all the things we have, will change you. It, will make, it, it is a scientific fact. You can go read the studies. It will make you healthier. It will make you happier. It will do all these things for you. And I think Jesus would add in our passage today, it'll make you well. It'll bring this wholeness to you. And I think it's something that we struggle with sometimes, learning to be a people of gratitude, right? I heard the one recently about the, the old man who goes into the post office and he gets in there and you know how they have the little island where people are getting their packages ready. There's a young guy in there and he, he comes up to him and he says, would you address this postcard for me? And the young man says, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So he writes it and he says, well, actually, would you write a little note on the back for me? And he tells him what to write and he writes this note. He signs it all. And the young guy is happy to be able to help him. And he says, is there anything else I can do for you? And the old man says to him, yeah, I think there's one more thing you can do. Could you put P.S. Sorry for the sloppy handwriting. <laughs> we, we struggle with gratitude. We struggle with gratitude sometimes. 
but it'll bless us. The further we lean into gratitude, the more it'll bless us. And likewise, the faith that Jesus calls out to return to him, to praise him, to prostrate, to humble ourselves before him. All of these things will bless us. And for us today, as we take out this message, where are we on these things? How do we turn back to God? How do we praise him? How do we thank him? How do we hear his words to go? Part of what we do every Sunday in here, why it's so important, is to come back and praise, to get this reset, to give thanks. The whole Eucharist is the thanksgiving, to praise God and give him thanks for what he does. This is at the heart of what we do. The Anglican bishop and New Testament scholar uh, N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, and he writes in his commentary about this passage, saying the rhythm of faith and gratitude simply is what being a Christian in the first century and the 21st century is all about. Well, I want to um, do a couple things as we wind up. One is we're in stewardship season. So stop and think about what this means for our stewardship. There is a link between being grateful and being generous. There's a link between being grateful and giving. There is a link between faith and not seeing the world in scarcity. There's a link in all of this that would call us, I think, to pray about how we're to give our time and our talent and our treasure. And you know, for those of you who have not been to St. Michael 101 because you've been a member a long time or whatever, I just wanna remind you that when we have new members coming in, we're asking every new member to do four things. We're asking every single member joining to commit that if you're in town and you're not sick, you're coming to worship. We want you to get a hold of what, the, what this um, grateful Samaritan got. Come back and praise and do it as a community. We ask every single person to, to give to what God's doing for kingdom work in and through this place. And that is something that ultimately blesses all of us, blesses people outside our walls, blesses inside the wall and blesses you as you give. We ask you to give uh, time and serving of others and do something to commit to, the, to growing your faith. Take a class, go to Sunday school, do, what, do something to engage your faith that way. We do all of these things. And I think that um, there's lots to learn from this lesson today. I think Jesus reminds us that he empowers all of us to step beyond boundaries. He empowers us to, um, to see what's worthy in life and give him praise and give him honor. He empowers us to, to reach out to the, the, the outsider with love, mercy, and grace that he gives to see that he's asking us to lean into a future that's beyond what we can imagine, more going on than we know, and to give thanks in it all. I'm gonna end with a story. This comes from a, another pastor, a story that I read this week where he was preaching on this passage, and he tells a story that happened around this, and I'll, I'll end with it. This is a guy, a pastor named Mark Buchanan, and he's talking about a member of his parish that was an alcoholic, and her name is Wanda, and I'm just gonna read the story that he tells. Wanda did well for about eight months. She got into Alpha and a 12-step group, got her kids back, and then she didn't do well. She was in and out, mostly out of rehab, and then she vanished. And then one day she called again sober after a year in rehab. She was getting out the next week. Could she come home to the church? Her first Sunday back, I initially didn't recognize her. She looked healthy, dressed in her right mind, and I was preaching on the 10 lepers. Jesus healed and the one Samaritan who returned to give thanks. 
And I said that anyone who has been cleansed by Jesus, who wants to be made whole by him, worships at his feet in deep thankfulness and utmost desperation. They have nowhere else they want to go. And then to close, I reminded people, we have a tradition at our church. Anyone can come up to the front and pray with one of our prayer ministers. Wanda came forward, but she didn't go to a prayer minister. She walked up on the platform between the guitarist and the drummer, stretched out her hands heavenward, and she, worked, she worshiped like one leper returning. A woman who didn't know her and who isn't on the prayer team walked up, put her arm around her, and worshiped too. Then you could hear it. All of us worshiped with deeper thankfulness. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks that you love us. And even at the places in life where we're broken and maybe feeling on the outside, you hear our call and you meet us with love and healing and wholeness. You invite us into a life of faith, a rhythm of faith and a rhythm of gratitude, a place that calls us to share all this in the world. Help each of us on our journey to do these things. May you strengthen us and bless us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.